The Neo Reality Entertainment brand expands with a relaunch of the Neo Reality Collective Pop Culture News Talk. Your host, Eric Brown, gives his insights and thoughts in the ever-expanding news world of comic books, professional wrestling, gaming, TV, and movies. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa. Today's edition of Neo Reality Collective is brought to you by Anchor.fm, a free distribution service podcasting hosting platform that allows you to record your podcast on your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so much more. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor.fm app or go to Anchor.fm to get started today. Thank you and enjoy the episode. We're back in the 36th episode of Neo Reality Collective, everybody. Pop Culture News Talk. We've been going ahead and getting some momentum with this podcast again. Uh, I would explain why, but I don't want to uh, at the moment. But we got some information, and we're going to get some news again. 30 pieces again to cap out this week, so let's hope for smaller news as the week goes by, as next week happens. The Hunger Games prequel film, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, because we had to have a prequel for some reason. Yeah, I don't know why either. It is set to release in theaters November 17, 2023. Revealed at CinemaCon 2022, the prequel story will be based on the um, the author's book of the same name and will focus on Colonelius Snow, you know, President Snow, age 18, years before he became the tyrannical president of Panem. Um... Why are we doing this story? No, like, legitimately, why are we doing this story? I don't see the purpose of having this story happen for him. It's just... It's been this thing that's bugged me for a while. I don't see the value of... I don't see doing this prequel... And it ended on a favorable terms. I mean, I for the most part. I'm like, the character that kickstarts this whole thing off was dead, but, like... Everything else, the government was overthrown with a new regime and things were finished up. But I don't see the reason for him to be the prequel character, especially when you want to root for his defeat, though he's not going to lose until 40, 60 years later. In fact, he looked like he was in his 80s, but that's a different matter. But yeah, it's just confusing to me. I don't see why we need to make a prequel movie for this. Like, everything we had a beginning, middle, two-part ender, it was totally serviceable. New Japan Pro Wrestling, meanwhile, encouraged Tony Khan to cut promo on Nick Khan. So, yeah. WWE would attempt to, you know, undermine this whole thing, which I'll get into whatnot. So, Sports Illustrated revealed that Tony Khan opted to cut the promo he cut following encouragement from top and New Japan pro wrestling officials, especially after they had stayed working with AEW as the priority of theirs due to the trust the F4s during the short time the two promotions had worked together. So that promo he cut where he absolutely cutthroated Nick, Nick Khan, uh, yeah, that was Tony. That wasn't Tony's idea. That was New Japan's idea. 
telling you where they stand with this. And New Japan's also open to the idea if, if the demand is there for a new for a Forbidden Door sequel in Japan. With the president of New Japan coming out and saying traveling between US and Japan is no longer a significant problem because lockdown's ending. If Japanese fans are invested in this event and the demand's there, then there will be absolutely be the impetus for us to take the next step in holding an event in Japan. So yay. <laughs> Oh man. But can we get more talent from other promotions besides AEW Impact besides AEW and New Japan? In fact it even looks like Impact's getting back in the ring with AEW heading into next week, but we'll see. But as Impact segue, Impact revealed that it was revealed at Fight for Select that Virtual Basement was in talks with Impact in 2020 and pitches for the studio to work on an Impact Wrestling console game, which is something the promotion's parent company Anthem Entertainment were keen on. Development for the wrestling code would have been needed to be halted, though, and Virtual Basement would have to would have funded the game because the owner of Anthem does not care. Like he's saying he does. Ultimately, the pitches didn't go, any- didn't go anywhere, and Anthem had next Impact's his talent from appearing in the wrestling code. Boo! Like, <laughs> this g- they haven't had a game since TNA Impact 2008, and I, I am flabbergasted they never tried to make another game after that. They've tr- like they tried, but like I mean, like in the main sense of why can't why can't certain things happen for Impact? Like I would love to see an Impact Wrestling game. Heck, I would I would hope. AEW's video game when it comes out would feature Forbidden Door content and bring in Impact talent, bring in New Japan talent, bring in all promotions talents to the brand to the game and give much knee exposure. It'd be such a great thing, especially since they're saying since I keep hearing the story that they're planning to just make one game for this one console for the console and not do the yearly release cycle until a certain point in time. So Thank God for that. But come on, Tony Khan. You, you, you've invested over 20 million bucks. So, uh, come on. Uh, maybe after the game comes out and everything's all sorted over and the and patches are put in and whatnot, we start getting to talk about DLC content, and then we can get into that talk. Cool? Cool. Andrew Zarian of the Mat Men Pro Wrestling Podcast had announced that WWE are reportedly planning on running more stadium shows next year, with, with it said to be a Nick Khan initiative, of course. I mean, you can't even sell out a 10,000 arena most days now. Uh, I feel like you shouldn't, but okay, it's your death wish, I think. Uh, saying a source of identity mentioned that Dead intends to run more stadium shows moving forward in 2023. For reference, 2022 has eight stadium events. The goal is to make it the new norm. This is Nick Khan's approach when it comes to premium live events. The scalability of large stadiums is very beneficial when it comes to having a live attendance of over 15,000. The event does have, doesn't have to be sell, sell out 50k, but now you have a room to do 20-30k shows more often, leading to much higher revenue and higher level of excitement for the event. Okay, but what if the crap? But there's also the probability that this could all backfire tremendously and make you look foolish. It is like that asking to asking for concerns. Um. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I think it's a very bad idea. 
Netflix's editorial division hit by layoffs as streamer reckons with subscriber drop. <laughs> Ouch. Sorry to hear that. Due to the uh, issues, according to Hollywood Reporter, at least 10 full-time staff members have lost their jobs. Our fan website is an important priority, said a Netflix representative. Tundum is an important priority for the company, yada, yada, yada. But, yeah, that clearly wasn't enough to... Uh, it was just launched four months ago, back in December 2021, and been hiring editorial staff over several months. Now they just, like, sack ten of them. Oh, man. They're expected to even lose two million subscribers next quarter, although they're also expecting to see some growth by the end of the year. Yeah, a lot of world, world events kind of crashed everything. So, as that's going on, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, the next film, part one, of course, is now the next title for, this, for the Mission Impossible series, which will reveal, well, um, Tom Cruise being insane. Uh, according to CinemaCon, um... Tom Cruise introduced the film's first trailer where, while stood atop a plane mid-flight. That's just something we accept for Tom Cruise at this point. So, Dead Reckoning 1, Part part 1 and 2 are said to be the combination of the film series. Originally reported to back-to-back, that Part 2 was eventually shelved briefly due to scheduling conflicts. However, Part 2 began filming shortly after production of Part 1 ended. And this will also make the re- re- marks the return of Henry... Serene, I'm pretty sure I butchered that. The actor's name, sorry, Henry, as Eugene Kitteridge, the former head of IMF, last seen in the original Mission Impossible film. Well, that's that's uh, a long, 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 long time. Also, we have no confirmation if Tom Cruise is going to be Iron Man, the Superior. Still hoping for that, but we'll see. Like I, I don't think he could. I don't think Tom Cruise could have worked well being the Tony Stark we got with Robert Downey Jr. No one can replace that Tony Stark. But I could imagine Tom Cruise being an egotistical, you know what, as the superior Iron Man. He would even. I could imagine that he even looks like the kind of guy that would get very cocky and arrogant. So I can imagine that. Meanwhile, as Activision Blizzard continues to go ahead and get sold, even winning out a vote, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 has been confirmed with its already first logo revealed in a tweet. (sighs) Okay. So... Oh, God. I don't know what's going to happen. Apparently, this is part of their whole, um... Apparently, Infinity War is taking the lead on Modern Warfare 2, but 11 different studios are reportedly working on the game in some capacity. Other reports say the campaign will feature U.S. Special Forces fighting Colombian drug cartels, because, of course, they are. Modern Warfare 2 will seemingly mark the end of the streak of annual releases. Bloomberg reported that 2023's planned release has been pushed back to 2024. This unlocked well, saying Call of Duty Desert are you going to move away from the annual release schedule. Yay! Despite the th- despite the acquisition event, uh, Modern Warfare 2 isn't set to be an Xbox exclusive, but it will most likely be a Game Pass exclusive. Yep. 
Oh, yeah, man. And like I said, Activision Blizzard stockholders have approved Microsoft acquisition, but questions still remain. Shareholders voted overwhelmingly to approve the company's pending, but that doesn't mean the deal's done with several other hurdles to remain. Announced via press release, over 98% of shares voted in favor of the acquisition, which is expected to close between, ju between July 2022 and Ju June 2023. The approved acquisition of the, at $93, $95 is still higher, higher than the share price of late, which has been slowly dropping over the last few months to the low $80 range, and it's been happening about 76 and 77 per share for the last few days. Oh no, we're doomed. So... The lowering share price ahead of the deal could indicate a lack of shareholder confidence that the vote that the deal would have ultimately passed, so the vote was overwhelming a number of other possible challenges lie between now and the ultimate conclusion. One key hurdle is the likelihood of an investigation from the Federal Trade Commission and Lena Khan. Why is all the cons now getting high power? Its recently appointed head has shown a racial willingness to tackle big tech antitrust issues, including blocking the Vendi acquisition or reopening the case against Meta. The deal will also require regulatory approval boards, including in China. The Activision Blizzard acquisition comes at a time when the ongoing turbulence in and within and out of the company. The deal itself has prompted accusations of insider trading, but even more notable is the ongoing California lawsuit accusing it of frat boy culture and horrible, horrible, horrible things like someone dying because of those horrible things and I am starting to wonder how to how uh, our beloved president Bobby Kotick is tackling the matters that he helped enabled but that's not what I'm going to get into because if I talk about that I'm going to be pissed so let's get right let's move on so, video game social media professionals have reacted to Elon Musk's buying of Twitter, and they're very concerned. Yeah, they talk about uh, the concerns of Elon Musk and going ahead and saying he's a free speech abolitionist, and yeah. Yeah, I can understand the gray area here, but yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. We'll all see. Sony has reportedly stopped PlayStation Plus users stacking their membership. Disable the ability to redeem PlayStation Plus codes from third-party retailers or via the PlayStation Store. Sony users tried to extend or stack their subscription after news broke of their simultaneous PS Plus and now subscriptions will get upgraded to PS Premium, with the length of the new subscription being equal to their longest current membership. But after purchasing a PS Plus code, users then report codes being rejected after an attempted redemption. This is now a widespread issue, with some suggesting that Sony support will also not accept the codes. Examples of this can be found in the res Reset Era forums, with one user being told, On this case right now, you will be unable to add those codes to the account since we have disabled the option to redeem PS Plus codes. IGN was also contacted by a user who reported the exact same line being given to them by support. Stacking memberships is where a user can use prepaid codes to redeem an extension of their current membership. For example, a user with 12 months left on subscription could buy, previously buy another 12 months, stacking their membership to two years, even before the subscription expires. This is typically common practice where PlayStation Plus codes are discounted during sales events. 
It is now believed by some of the communities that Sony has blocked this to prevent users from taking advantage of making any savings on the revamped PlayStation Plus service. Sony has not offered any words, so IGN had reached out for comment. Many users had already stacked PlayStation Now versions after it was announced that those for PS Now would be upgraded to PS Plus 8 Premium at no extra cost. This loophole was also quickly shut down and PS Now memberships are no longer available to purchase. Yeah, I'm kind of mixed on this. I, I understand Sony's position because they're bending the rules, but like, this has kind of been a thing since even Xbox Live, so I, so everyone's just kind of used to it. Meanwhile, EA is now going through chaos. Surprisingly not. Dragon Age 4 quality assurance workers, the workhorses of the company, are now filing to form a union against Bioware and, yeah. The employees who work directly with developer Bioware, but as contractors supporting company K Keyword Studio, are attempting to unite over issues of poor pay, a return to work mandate, and more. An anonymous source told Kotaku that Keyword employees would have returned to their Alberta-based offices on May 9th, despite cases of COVID slowly rising since the start of April. Keyword employees would not have been entitled to sick pay if they had no had to quarantine. As a result of COVID, the source said, while well, Bioware employees are allowed to work from home completely because EA is a dictatorship and we must be reminded of that. The return to work ruling was seemingly the final straw for the 1520 QA testers who are allegedly already on the subject to poor pay. Seriously, they're the people who are told, break our game and then tell us how to work, fix it. And work out all the bugs and whatnot. The source says some employees are being paid $16.50 Canadian dollars per hour, which is the equivalent of $12.82 American, which is considerably less than identical roles carried out by full Bioware employees, aka EA's evil. Got it. So the source said the group is very confident. They filed for union application on April 20th. It's currently being reviewed by the Alberta Labor Relations Board until May 3rd. They're very confident it would win the vote, having taken inspiration of the recent efforts of Raven Software QA employees' attempts to unionize, allowing them to have more influence over their workplace. They became the first union within Activision Blizzard, despite alleged attempts from developers to stop them. The workers were left out of recent pay increases with the company, however, with Activision saying it was due to legal obligations under the National Labor Relations Act. Ha, <laughs> isn't it great to hear from horrible, horrible people? Yeah. So anyways, uh, Xbox Bethesda Showcase set for June 12th at, at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. UK time. That's June 13th. That's 4 a.m. Cindy time in Australia. But it's set to air on June 12th for everyone else, so be careful with that. And yeah, still a little while before we hear anything about Elder Scrolls 6. Fire Todd Howard and we'll probably get something out of that. But, yeah, I'm excited for that. Let's see what they got. And there's now going to be an easy mode and hint system for Return to Monkey Island, which will... So, during the interview of... <laughs> during the interview, new creator Ron Gilbert confirmed that the game will have an easy mode as well as a hint system, saying one thing that people really want in games are built-in hint systems. If players don't have a built-in hint system, they're just going to jump over the web and read a walkthrough. Fair point, that's what I do when I get blocked. I encourage you players not to do that. Return to Monkey Island will use a hint system that's designed to make sense in-game. 
it will be more than just a walkthrough. Of course, getting stuck is part of the fun of point-and-click adventure. Back when Secret of Monkey Island was released in 1999, someone shared their story about how they would spend hours upon clicking around looking for ways to solve puzzles and growing increasingly frustrated. Yeah. But Gilbert then... But Gilbert says, there was a lot of stuff that we did back then and didn't think much about. A lot of very obscure puzzles, hiding a piece of information somewhere with no clues or about where to find it. That kind of thing just wouldn't fly today. Having hint systems means that if they make the puzzle just completely weird and obscure, people will just go to the hint system. So... So it's being called... And the easy mode is being designed as a casual mode and designed for people who in this... This is their if this is their first adventure game and they haven't played it or they haven't played an adventure game in a long time or maybe they have lives and kids now. They can play the casual mode, which is just a lot less simplification of the puzzles. This is our main way to get people into playing point and click games if they haven't done it before. So Monkey Island. Okay, so I never played adventure games besides the besides the Telltale games. But I, I get where they're coming from with this. Like, there's a lot of things that have changed. And if they keep it as just optional stuff, then fine. I, I'm okay with it. Meanwhile, Andrew Garfield is taking a big break from acting. Speaking of variety, Garfield says he's ready to relax and live a regular life for a while. Yeah, that's not going to happen because this is the internet and people like to interfere in people's lives, a.k.a. the paparazzi. After appearing in three films last year, Spider-Man No Way Home, Tick Tick Boom, and FX's new series Under the Banner of Heaven, saying, I'm going to rest for a little bit, I need to recalibrate and reconsider what I want to do next and who I want to want to be, and just be a little bit of a person for a while. I just need a bit ordinariness for a while. Yeah, there's no such thing as ordinary even if you're a former actor. So, yeah... He said, yeah, he said the award season, which he described as a watch he was seeing after his performance of Tick, Tick, Boom. Garfield was nominated for Best Actor in the leading role at the Oscars, but eventually lost to the guy who's been banned for 10 years because he slapped the hell out of out of Chris Rock for making a joke that no one really, that not many people know about her condition. But, you know, we have to make an argument about this. Will Smith for his performance of King Richard. Okay. Uh, Garfield pl talks about the intensity of filming Under the Banner of Heaven, playing a Mormon detective investigating the murder of a mother and daughter by fundamentalist members of the Church of Jesus of Latter-day Saints, contributed to him needing time off. I mean, like, you're going into religious commentary. Of course someone would want time off from that. Especially during filmmaking, saying, I think it was actually a necessity for us to have game nights and go into the nature and hike. And, you know, swim and dive and lakes and dance and eat good food so that we can really come back and fully give ourselves. We had to keep on taking care of ourselves so that we could take care of the story. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. But we're going to take a little bit of a break. Hey, Ken, we're going to go back and we'll be back with you after these messages and our, enjoy this ad. And then we'll be back after this message, after this sponsor by Anchor.fm. Take care and we'll see you all in a bit. Let's finish this, this episode this week off with the last half of news back with Neo Reality Collective. So we're Justin Lin leaving the Fast X movie. Um, <laughs> so, um... Step down from the role. Remember that? Uh, oh dear. 
Apparently, the cost is costing Universal as much as $1 million a day until they find, find a new director. Yeah, they're forking up a million dollars a day to keep the production in limbo. Um, if I recall correctly, uh, he left on the 26th, so that's about two to three million dollars lost. Oh dear. Um, bad tidings are ahead. Well, they better find a director. Now, now this is, um, yeah, <laughs> here's the thing. I get the feeling that now due to this event, they're going to rush to find a director rather quickly. And yeah, this is probably going to get really bad and the movie might get worse for the result of it in terms of if they find a bad director, but they just need to find someone quickly just to direct the movie so they could get it done. So... Yeah, we're, we're kind of screwed here. Well, Fast X, it was nice knowing you. Let's hope you, let's hope you strike something. So, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson, the Good Brothers. So, reports are coming out about the contract status of the Good Brothers and Impact Wrestling, and there's no indication yet if they'll resign or not, or go elsewhere, but <laughs> EW. Uh... Their contract's running out of sour, and that's out, that both sides are not close on their renewal, so we're kind of in an unknown limbo state here with them. We'll have to see as their contract's set to expire this summer, and a follow-up report stated that the heavy hitters are not close to renewing their deals. So we'll have to see our impact handles things, and as this goes on, I heard that um, they are opted to cut Willie Mack's contract as he was on an annual deal well, with the promotion and he was set for a major race in 2023 that would have seen him earn six figures. To stop that from happening, though, Impact simply cut the contract. So they just cut this guy because he was going to get a raise because of his contract. So there's a gray area if you want to side with Impact or Willie Mack was just screwed over big time. Take it for what you will. Oh my god, that, that's just sad. So I wouldn't be surprised if this also has to contribute. With, I wouldn't be surprised if the Good Brothers get contributed to this. So, ouch. Also, as money is being thrown around, Sonic 2 is the highest grossing video game movie ever made in the United States. Yay! After they beat Sonic, the previous record holder. Oh man. <laughs> oh man. It's odd. It's just weird that that this is happening. It's just surreal. The film Sonic 2 didn't conquer the global market though. Oh, because World of Warcraft still beat them out on that, so World of Warcraft is the Supreme King, and I kind of get why that sold so well, especially when the director admits that there's a director's cut that he's basically holding hostage, unless the movie sold well, so it didn't sell as much as they had hoped, so we're never going to get that director's cut, which is kind of a dick move to uh, sell that as your 
buy this, buy our ticket to this incomplete movie and we'll give you the director's cut. That's a terrible business strategy. But they went with it. So, James Corden is leaving the CBS's Late Late Show after eight years, having extended his contract with CBS for one final year. So, he will exit the Late Late Show and he addressed the news directly in an emotional monologue he delivered during a taping of the Late Night Talk Show on Thursday, saying this would be my last year hosting the show. When I started this journey, it was always going to be just that, a journey, an adventure I never saw as my final destination. I never want this show to overstay its welcome in any way. I always wanted to love making it, and I really think in a year from now that will be a good time to move on and see what else might be out there. We're not leaving today. We still have a year to go. We all determined to make this the best year we ever had making this show. We are all going out with a bang. There's going to be carpools and cross rocks and sketches and uh, surprises, and I'm going to quote Bender probably on this, and there will be tears. There will be so many tears because this has been the hardest decision I've ever had to make. Having been the frontman of the show since 2015, taking the reins from the previous host, Craig Ferguson, and he launched the fourth iteration of the show with Hollywood stars Tom Hanks and Mila Kunis, who were the first of many celebrity guests to take the stage. Corden also generated buzz with segments such as Carpool Karaoke and Crosswalk the Musical. Some people have been advocating that they want John Cena to be the next guy. That'd be kind of funny. It's kind of funny. So, the co-producer of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse has clarified that while the new film does include 240 characters, many will be minor or background. I mean... Uh, okay. I mean... I, uh, okay, I, I was just going to say this. Did anyone really think that this one part of a two-part trilogy here, that the, the second movie would be having 240 different character arcs? Like, they say that the, the, the quote could have been mis- open to misinterpretation, and I'm like, um, how? Like, how, how like... I don't think even George R. R. Martin could make 240 characters work in one book. You could probably stretch it out for like 20 books, but like that—that's the thing. Thing you could probably do with a TV show, but like that would take a long time, and there's still a lot of factors here. But yeah, I get what they're trying to say. It's just, yeah, I don't really get having to clarify something that seems so inexplicably obvious. Like, I knew that, like, saying there's 240 characters is big, but then saying, oh, well, they're minor in background. Like, yeah, it was kind of obvious. Like, at best, you'll get cameos in a lot of them, but it's still pretty a big scale here. So, yeah. I don't know what happened. Yoshida has confirmed the progress in a pamphlet that accompanied the franchise's official clothing line, translated by Twitter user at Aya Kimochi. If I pronounced that wrong, I'm sorry. Let's go to the account and see how that worked, because my god. Audria? Okay, that's probably what she was trying to say on the. That's her Twitter account name. Uh, saying, We're in the final stages of development for the numbered game in the series Final Fantasy 16. 
Yoshida added that he thinks the game's story, which is obviously different than the experience of Final Fantasy XIV on Life, which he also produces, is a fleshed out experience that will bring older fans back. Unlike an online game that involves many players at the same time, Final Fantasy XVI offers different experiences where it focuses on an individual player and immerses you into the story. For those who have grown up and realized that reality isn't kind to you and have drifted away from Final Fantasy, we hope that Final Fantasy XVI will be a game that can bring back a renewed passion that once had once you had with the series. Oh boy. And he's been very open about it because talking about how the story in the English voice actor was already almost completed and that the game was later delayed due to the result of the pandemic. The Corona's Bastards. He also promised that a big reveal would take place in spring this year, meaning it may not be long before fans find out what they can expect in the game. Well, it better be big because you gotta go ahead and, you know, cater everybody went before uh, they start demanding Kingdom Hearts. Oh, and you also got Final Fantasy VII Remake Part 2. So, good luck with that, Square Enix. Now get rid of your NFTs and we'll be moving swell. Adam Sandler confirms he's reuniting with Uncut Gems director for a new movie. EW Entertainment Weekly can exclusively confirm that Adam Sandler and his Uncut Gems director are planning to reunite for a new project. In interview, Sandler said that he was going to do another movie with Salvini Brothers, though he declined to offer any further details. They're working hard on it. Their work ethic is bananas. They're always working, always writing, always thinking. I don't know what I can tell you, but it's going to be very exciting. It's different, but I don't want them to ever say, what the f*** did you tell them that for? Okay, he said hell, but I just want to add that. So I'll just let them talk about it. The reunion saying, uh, and, um... <clears throat> Both them and Sandler have spoken with great fondness about their collaboration and have Jen's release in 2019. The actor told EW that he would die to work with them again, saying, We talk about it constantly, man. I love these guys. I love them. I mean, they're incredible filmmakers. Of course, I would die to work with them again because it's a brand new feeling. But the funniest thing is, is that when I say to, the, say to, the, to them, oh, Your future is so bright, they didn't want to talk to talk about it. They were like, I, like, I just like Jen's, man. They were... So deep in it. Ah, uh, yeah. This is how they win. <laughs> oh, man. I'm curious to know if this is going to be the culmination of his threat where he would produce the worst movie ever. I'm like, I don't know if that ever happened, but okay. So... Yeah, remember that Stargirl Spring Break special issue that came out last year and we haven't heard sense about it regarding the return of the Justice Society? Well, um, Lee Cool finally got some gossip information. <laughs> yeah, they were that it does seem like there is going to be a J JSA team and the Stargirl and Clock King, an old Green Arrow villain. Is going to prepare to, for the Injustice Society with time travel on the agenda and showing. Yeah. The history of the Justice Society is laid out as a prologue called Past is Prologue. Yeah, for what is to come, it was written by Jack Johns and by Brian Hitch as if that was their next big project. Instead, the two are working on another character, Red Coat, for their Geiger 80 page special out, out a couple months a month ago. But add to the DC bloodbath, the injection of some of those who had big problems with Johns, who has now returned incurrently, a Stargirl story and JSA story in Infinite Frontier problems much, but even Brian Hitch said that, he, that intended JSA spinoff wasn't happening anymore. 
But that was then. Glee Cool understands that the Justice Society of America will be appearing in future issues of Flashpoint Beyond written by Jeff Johns, and that Stargirl will be getting a six-issue limited series, which will include the JSA. And the new JSA team will include Huntress, even though she exists in the current form of the DC Universe. Maybe Dark Crisis and Flashpoint will be able to sort this one out? Okay. And, yeah, we're probably going to see Jeff Johns write it, and take your wildest guess how that's probably going to go for people, considering what's coming out about Jeff Johns. So, yeah, take it for what you will. I, I, I do not want to get on that subject about it. Meanwhile, Captain Marvel 2 and Ant-Man 3 have swapped release dates. Captain Marvel, The Marvels, was released set for February 17, 2023, with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania scheduled for July 28, 2023. And they have simply traded prices. Quantumania coming out in February, while The Marvels comes out in July. So, yeah... Probably due to the delayed productions, insiders tell Variety that the change is simply due to one film being further along in the production process, one being finished with provincial photography, and while the Marvels still have a bit more to go, especially since you don't have the Miss Marvel show out yet. But the film will take the whole Ant family, Ant-Man family to the quantum realm and pit them against Kang the Conqueror. So, multiverse shenanigans. I call shenanigans. But this is now a sad time for those who are fans of the Arrowverse, and specifically Batwoman and Legends of Tomorrow. They've been cancelled. No season four, no season eight. Yeah. The Arrowverse seems to be ending its, dis its currently in dismantling mode, and now all that's left is... If I recall correctly, let's take a look on the details of that. <laughs> oh, man, let's see. The only shows remaining are The Flash and Superman and Lois. Yep, that does not look good. So, good luck with that. Meanwhile, Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts, who was set to direct the MCU's Fantastic Four, reported by Deadline, aimed that Watts has departed from the role and needs a break from the superhero realm. Reported by Deadline, there is no, nothing sinister attached to Watts' departure, and Watts is expected to rejoin Tom Holland and Zendaya for the next entry of the Spider-Man franchise, whenever that may be. John Watts saying, Making three Spider-Man films was an incredible and life-changing experience for me. I'm eternally grateful to have been part of the MCU for seven years. I'm hopeful we'll be able to work again, but I can't wait to see the amazing vision Fantastic Four brought to life. Collaborating with John, Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige said, that on the Spider-Man films has been a true pleasure. We were looking forward to continuing our work with him to bring Fantastic Four into the MCU, but understand and with his reasons for stepping away. We are optimistic that we have the opportunity to work together again at some point down the road. So, yeah. Watch will continue to work on an Apple Studios film that he will write and direct. The film will star George Clooney and Brad Pitt as rival fixers who find themselves simultaneously hired for the same job. So, with the Fantastic Four film being announced for 20, announced back in 2020 and has been mostly quiet in the news development since, in 2021 the studio will begin looking for wiles and that it will be a while before production will begin. Especially since they haven't even said it what phase is set to be in. I heard this and was a little shocked when I heard this, but I, I, I totally understood why. Totally got why. But now we have 
the sad news for fans of the comic book world and who have revitalized their passion for and love for Batman and for comic book creators and people who believe that creators' rights should be respected. Neil Adams, the legendary comic book writer and artist, mostly artist known for, who reinvigorated other superheroes beyond just Batman with his focusless stylings and championing the rights of creators, has sadly passed away at 80 years old. Dying Thursday in New York. His wife told The Hollywood Reporter, We will honor his legacy and never forget him. this and it was sad to hear since he did so much for comic books and for revitalizing a lot of the characters of the DC and Marvel universes and his famous works he's done with Dennis O'Neill <sighs> yeah Even taking credit believing that had Batman issue 251 comic never happened, comics like the, such as The Killing Joke and portrayals of Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, and Joaquin Phoenix's Jokers would never have existed. <sighs> Sorry to end things on a more somber note, but I felt like he had to be the last pick on this video and this podcast. So we're gonna tune out soon. We're gonna see. We're gonna see what DC and Marvel's tributes will be down the road for this legendary artist and creator, and his work and dedication to giving creators their rights in the comic book world will never be forgotten. I'm Neo Reality Collective's host Eric Brown. Stay tuned for more next time, and we'll see y'all again. Take care and have a good day. And rest in peace, Neil Adams. You will never be forgotten. Take care. Be sure to donate to the brand and keep up to date with additional content on YouTube channels such as Neo Reality Entertainment, NRE The Wrestleverse, and NRE Pop Culture Omniversa.